begin with a question today, and I'm taking a, I'm diverting from the series that we've been doing, that kingdom thing, and I'm going to do what he put, speak, what he put in my spirit Wednesday morning at intercession. If you are not a participant in intercession on Wednesday mornings at 6 a.m. in this room, I encourage you and invite you to come. But in that intercession, um, he began to speak some things into my spirit about where we are as a people and where we are as a nation. And out of that, this word uh, is what grew from the seed. So I'm going to begin by asking this question this morning, and the question is this, where would Israel or Egypt be if not for Joseph being thrown into a pit? And let me say this before I go any further, it's possible that I could say some things today that if there's anything at all religious in you, that you hold to only because of tradition, not necessarily because it's truth. Those don't always align perfectly. But if there's anything that is religious in you, it's possible that I might say something today that will displace that. I hope so. Because if I know anything about God, it is that He wants to pry from us anything that is of an anti-Christ, anti-kingdom beginning. Amen? Do you believe that? I think we can all agree on that. Sometimes, though, that prying is uncomfortable. I, I hope that in what you hear today that I say it to you the way that he said it to me and if I can do that if Holy Spirit can use my voice to communicate to you the way that the Father used his voice to communicate it to me it will be well (laughs) so I want to be careful to not add to or take away from what he's saying So I'm going to ask the question, where would Israel or Egypt be if not for Joseph being thrown into a pit? Again, where would Israel or where would Egypt be if Joseph had not been thrown into a pit? And I'm going to to give an answer to that that you have probably never considered because neither had I. But it's true, and I'll make that point at some point when I'm speaking today. But had Joseph, I want you to consider with me the truth that follows that question, where would Israel or where would Egypt be if not for Joseph being thrown into a pit? Let me just give it to you in the simple way that he made it clear to me. Without Joseph being thrown into a pit, there is no Israel or Egypt today. There is no, there was no, would, be, would have been, no Moses, no Joshua, no Caleb, no Saul, no King David, no Solomon, 
in that case, would there be a Christ? Let me ask again. Consider where would Israel or Egypt be if Joseph, the little shepherd boy, the eleventh son, in a family of thirteen, twelve boys and a girl, where would Joseph, where would Israel and Egypt be if not for Joseph being thrown into the pit? I want you to speak those words. Ask that question. Where would, Joseph, would Israel or Egypt be if Joseph had not been thrown into a pit? As Holy Spirit really begin to move me and speak to me regarding this word and this question, this is the question that first arose in me on Wednesday morning as I was walking around and I was interceding, praying, praying in the Spirit. And I began to reflect on that, and then out of that, I got up this morning, as I do every morning, and I drank my coffee, and I went out on the patio, and I sat out there watch, waiting for the sunset, but it, or rise, but it had, it, it's coming later and later, so I'm gone before it ever gets up in the air. But I s- turn the lights on, and I go out there, and I'm drinking a cup of coffee, and the dogs are sitting out there, and I'm talking to Yahweh, and I'm just expressing, just enjoying the moment. What do you have to say to me? How do you like your coffee, Holy Ghost? You know, just, just really, it's every morning. My wife and I do this every day. And sitting out there, 5.30 this morning. This morning was 5.30. <clears throat> and just taking it all in, and he says to me, or makes a statement to me, and there's more to the story, but I'm just going to make the statement. He said to me, he said, Steve... You were not made for the day. You are not prepared for the day or the moment. But the moments you live in, the moments you walk in, were prepared for you. In our world and in our mind, we think, we're just waiting on Holy Spirit, prepare me for the moment that's about to come. And he's not doing that. In other words, for him to prepare us for the moment that's about to come, we have to know what's coming. He would have to say to us, on this date, at this time, this is going to occur, and I'm going to prepare you for that moment. But he said to me, he said, Steve, I do not prepare you for the day. I've prepared the day for you. And when you get to it, listen to me, when you arrive at that day or you arrive at that moment or you wake up on any given day, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to say to that moment, I was not prepared for you? Or are you going to say, day, 
You were prepared for me. What do I, Christina, relax. What am I going to do in you? You are bringing me something today. You have brought something into my world. I got up this morning and I found myself on October the 4th, or whatever, what is this? By the Grecian calendar. But by Yahweh's calendar. It's irrelevant. Before He, into me, and wrapped this spirit in flesh... He prepared this day and he knew I was going to rise up on this day and that in this day there was going to be something for me to own. And he knows that about you. And he knew that about Joseph. You ready? Say this to me, God. This sounds very cliche. And it is if you say it from the cliche perspective. Say, God always has a plan. You have never caught him off guard. You have never surprised him. He has never gotten up and said, I didn't expect that. You're never going to do what some did to Jimmy last night and say, surprise! And God would say, what are you talking about surprise? You should be surprised because I was here before you got here. I've already eaten the cake. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, some people ate lamb last night. I was offended because they were eating Jesus. <laughs> I find that offensive. Although he did say, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, I know, I get it, I get it. I don't even go there. The day was prepared for you. Stop, stop, try, stop, stop distorting. I did taste him. And he was good. Can we just stay on course? So say it with me again. God always has a plan. So I'm going to ask this question. I think it's the last question. No, I have one more. So was Joseph thrown into the pit? Let me t- If you don't, well, we'll read it in a sec, part of it. So was Joseph thrown into the pit? Or was Joseph sown into the pit? Was Joseph a victim or was Joseph a seed? In Genesis chapter 37, let's read that beginning with verse 17 in the ESV and it says this. It says, so Joseph, at that time he was 17 years old. I'm just inserting that for your own understanding. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they considered against him to kill him. And this is because he had a dream, and and I don't have time to go into the whole story, but he dreamed that his brothers would bow down to him and that they would serve him and that he would be a deliverer for them. They found that offensive. They found that difficult because they 
did not see a day given to them. They saw that they, they thought they were given to the day. So Joseph went after his brothers and he found them at Dothan and they saw him from afar coming. Before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now and let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. So here comes this dreamer, brothers, let's join together because we're tired of hearing, one, seeing how favored he is by daddy. Two, we're tired of him dreaming when we're also tired of him being the one making the lemonade and we're picking up sheep poop. So we're really aggravated with this. So let's get this guy, let's kill him, let's throw him into one of the pits and then see what happens with this. So if I look at this story and I see and I interpret what occurred here, I have to ask the question again, was Joseph then, because his brothers conspired against him, was Joseph then thrown into the pit or was Joseph sown into the pit? Again, was he a victim or was he a seed? This part is about Joseph. The part, point one, if you want to call it that, is about Joseph. And by the way, I want to say this now for clarity because you're going to hear me say this from time to time. I am, to the best of my ability, no longer going to refer to the Bible as the Old Testament and the New Testament. I'm going to refer to it as the First Testament and the Second Testament. To say one is old and one is new is to say that one became irrelevant because there was a, a replacement. New does not mean replacement. It means new is making clearer what the original was trying to say. And that is what it is doing. The new is re- restoring what was lost in the first. Does that make sense? Remember, in the first, there was a first Adam. In the, it, what is referred to as the Old Testament, there was a first Adam. In what's referred to as the New Testament, there is a second Adam. The problem is, it was never meant to be a replacement. It was meant to be, this is what we're going to do. It doesn't do away with the beginning. It doesn't do, when the first Adam failed, man was not annihilated. Man did not become irrelevant. Man was still important, which is why Yahweh sent his son as a second Adam. So if that is true, the first testament is not any less important than the second. Just so you understand. So from now on, to the best of my ability, I'll try to correct myself when I'm wrong, or you can correct me. I'm going to try to refer to it from hitherto, as long as I lead this house, first and second testament so joseph in our mind in our mind's eye in the way that we interpret this story we've told this story and like you i've taught this story like you've heard from so many others i've taught it he was thrown into a pit i want to challenge that today and i'm going to challenge that because it's not true even though it is true that his brothers conspired against him to put him in that pit, or from their perspective, to throw him into the pit, the day they were not prepared to throw him into the pit, the day was prepared, the day was prepared to swallow Joseph up. You need to get that. Yahweh prepared that specific day to swallow Joseph up. To receive him into the depths of its possibilities so that something supernatural could come out of that. 
In fact, I'm going to say something I was not going to say this morning, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. There is nothing, by the way, supernatural about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not supernatural. But what the Father does within the kingdom of God, those things are supernatural. The Second Testament tells us that first comes the natural, then comes the spiritual. So in that same principle, the kingdom of God isn't something that is in the sweet, sweet by and by. But I'm going to tell you something. Where the church world believes that the last days represents an end of our current times. Represents an end of the earth as we know it. And we're going to be caught up in the sweet, sweet by and by. But I don't interpret the last days that way. I interpret the last days as the last days of lawlessness. The last days where the spirit of the Antichrist is reigning. And he's not trying to get me out of the middle of it. He prepared the day for me to live in. And the spirit of the Antichrist doesn't come just because people start prophesying and singing and doing all the right things in that regard or preaching like that. The spirit of the Antichrist is driven out because, not because preachers are doing their thing, but because you are doing your thing. Because you are rising up every day and you are saying the right thing and you are owning the day that the Father gave. He prepared the day for you and when I get up in the morning and I say, this day belongs to me. Day, bring it. I've been sown into you. And I want to find out what do last days mean to you. And the reason I'm saying all this is because I'm, I'm, I want you to understand today that the kingdom of God is not supernatural. The kingdom of God is within you. That's what Scripture says. The kingdom of God is around you. The kingdom of God isn't someplace, somewhere you're going. If you're going there, and that's your mentality, I've got bad news for you. You're never going to arrive. It is either in you, or it is not. The kingdom of God is within you. That's what Scripture says. So if the kingdom of God is... The kingdom of God is not supernatural, but what the Father does, and I'm using all... It's important you get what I'm telling you. Because if the kingdom of God is within you, in what the supernatural that we so refer to every time, that's the kingdom. That's just the supernatural. A man is born again in the kingdom of God that is natural. That born again experience, that's supernatural. That healing that happened within the natural kingdom of God, that's supernatural. But the kingdom of God is not supernatural. That resurrection back to life, the man that could not see that now does, the woman that could not hear but now does, the woman who was bleeding and didn't have a way of stopping it and now does it, that's a supernatural moment within a natural kingdom. And the only way that we can recognize that God sent us the day, He did not send us to the day. He prepared the day for us. He did not prepare us for the day. The only way that I can accept that is if my living right now, I'm living because this is your appointed time. Because there is a day that is coming to you. Is it today? Is it tomorrow? Is it the next day? There is a day that is coming to you that only you could occupy. 
I need you to understand this before we go any further. Joseph, I'm going to tell you something. Yahweh prepared that day within the kingdom of God. That day came within the kingdom of Yahweh God. That day came on purpose. Joseph didn't know what was coming. I'm taking my brothers some tea. My daddy sent me on assignment. And I'm going to take my brothers some tea. I can't find my brothers. Let me ask you, little village man. Have you seen my brothers? Yeah, they're over yonder. I'm going to go over yonder. And on my way to yonder, wherever yonder is, the brothers say, you see them coming? Here's a pit. Do you think for a second that that pit suddenly showed up? That ground was prepared for a pit before Joseph breathed his first breath. The pit was prepared for Joseph. Nobody else could have fit in the pit. The pit was made for him in the beginning of time. Yahweh said, I'm making this day is for Joseph. Joseph didn't have any idea. He hadn't been fitted for it. Hadn't been sized for it. Hadn't been prepared for it. No one caught him in the back room of his... wherever he lived. And said, let me tell you what's coming. Because nobody knew but Yahweh. I'm getting somewhere with this. He created the day for Joseph. It didn't look like a day created for Joseph. It probably didn't feel like a day created for Joseph. But Yahweh created the day for Joseph. And his brothers didn't even realize what they were doing. But his brothers were responding to the day that Yahweh created. And when you get thrown in, you can look at it and you can say, was I thrown into this thing? Joseph, when he was put in that pit, he could have gotten to the bottom of that pit and he could have said, oh, woe is me! I have been thrown into a pit. Or he could have lifted his hands and he could have said, I have been sown into this hole. And what's coming out of this thing is going to be greater than what went in. I have been sown into this. Nothing catches my God by surprise. Nothing catches my Father by surprise. Not death, nor life, not rain, not flood, not a sunny day, not a rainy day. Nothing catches my God by surprise. Nothing. 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 You are nowhere today that is shocking to God. Online, you are nowhere today. Wherever you are, wherever you are, you are nowhere that is shocking to Him. He has prepared this day for you. You might find yourself in the bottom of a hole somewhere and you're worried about whether or not you've been thrown. Why am I here? Why? Why? How did I get here? I'm going to tell you, change your attitude. Be healed this morning. You weren't thrown anywhere. Do you serve God? Do you serve God? Somebody say yes. Do you love God? Do you think God loves you? Do you honor Him rising up? Do you honor Him lying down? Are you concerned about what He's concerned about? Do you think for a second He's saying about you? I'm going to let them get a hold of you. I'm going to let them rip your coat off. 
I'm going to let them kill a sheep, spread blood all over it. I'm going to let them throw you in a hole. I'm going to let them believe you've died. Do you think God did that? God didn't even know what those boys were saying. All God knew was, I need a day with a hole in it because I need to put a man in it because i got to save a nation. And all God was looking for was a seed that could be broken up in the soil. A seed that under the pressure that would come over the next 17 from 44, 20, how many years? A seed that could withstand the pressure. That's all he needed. In fact, it was longer than that because he went in at 17 years old and he was in Egypt till he died at 110. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Joseph. Then I'm going to tell you a little bit about you. Are you ready? I want to shake up our thinking today because I want us to stop thinking about, okay, I've got to get ready for tomorrow. Now listen, when you're going to work, brush your teeth, comb your hair, do all the things that you need to do. Brush your teeth first. Take a shower second. Whether you eat or not is irrelevant, but do those clean things first. But if you're serving the Lord and you're honoring the Lord, there's nothing you're going to do to make yourself better for tomorrow. Tomorrow has already been made ready for you. And you just got to get up and honor Him in it. And get ready and be willing to be pressed and be ready to be grown. (laughs) Be ready to interpret. Joseph, be ready to see what others can't and be ready to say what others won't. So when sown into a pit, oh, let me back up a little bit. Let me talk, I was going to tell you about Joseph first. So interpreting our, everybody say, pit moments correctly impacts our expectations. Again, if Joseph sees himself as thrown into that pit, what expectations does a man have except for to die? Woe is me. I'm here. It's no fault of my own. You're right, David. Or you're right, Joseph. You're right. Yahweh did that to you. Do you like that? But if your expectation is I've been thrown into this thing, if you see yourself as the victim every time you're in the middle of something, you'll never come out of that pit full of life. But you will duplicate yourself over and over with every single generation talking about how unfortunate you were. But if you go into that pit and you realize no matter where you're at, where you find you, I was sown into this thing. You can find peace in being sown. That word right there, you might want to just write it down in your journal. Find peace in where I'm sown. And you get sown there and you see that you're sown there. 
Doesn't matter what that day's bringing. It could be high or low. It could be hot or cold. It could be wet or dry. Doesn't matter what that day brings. You know that that day came to you because God sent that day. And you might not see what the end looks like. But the end is going to honor Him and you will be honored in it. I want you to understand something about Joseph because he understood he was sown into the pit. Joseph knew he was not thrown there. He trusted God so much he knew this pit fit me. It was made for me. This hole in the ground was made specifically for me. That's why there's no water in it. Because it was made for me. Out of him understanding that he was sown into this pit because he could carry that. And I'm not going to go into all the details of his life, but I want to give you a few highlights of Joseph's life. Because he understood the difference between being thrown and being sown. Had he believed he was thrown into that pit, he'd have been in that prison, he'd have been that slave, and he'd have died a slave. But because he believed he was sown, let me tell you some spectacular things that happened through the life of Joseph. Do you know that the first Egyptian pyramid ever built, Joseph designed it. The very first pyramid ever built in Egypt that's recorded, that they can date the history to. The inscriptions on it. David, I mean Joseph, designed it to hold the grain and the supplies that were going to be necessary so that they didn't dry up and rot. So that the temperature would be right. To preserve the feast For the seven year famine. The silos, and I forgot the name of the pyramid, but you'll know it if I said it. He designed the first pyramid to hold those supplies. And then, Joseph, because he understood I was sown into this. So I'm going to own the day. Whatever the day brings me, I'm going to walk this thing out. I'm not going to be defeated by the moments in it. I'm I'm going to rise above them. Joseph then, at the Pharaoh's command, he interpreted his dream, and I'm I'm skipping a lot of space here, but he interpreted the dream. He's put in second in command over all of Egypt. And Pharaoh tells him, he says, I want you to take care and make sure that you get everything ready. So what does Joseph do? Joseph goes, and he begins to tax the people. A fair tax, but he taxed them. He said, listen, there's a famine coming. Get ready. We're going to have seven years of plenty. But we're going to have seven years of famine. So he began to tax them until they ran out of money. And then he would sell them food during the famine. He would sell them food. When they ran out of money, they would buy food with livestock. Until Egypt, the pharaohs, owned all the livestock. Then when they ran out of money and they ran out of livestock, he would go to them and he would say to them, keep in mind when Joseph went into Egypt, it was a very small, weak nation. When they ran out of money, when they ran out of livestock, Joseph said, we'll give you this food 
if you'll give us your land. After 14 years, Egypt was the most powerful and wealthiest nation in the world. Owned all the livestock, owned all the land that was near them, had all the finance, anything of wealth, they possessed it all. It doesn't look pretty. It doesn't look pretty when you see the people, but they lived, they ate. It's another story. We'll get into that another time. But Joseph made Egypt the wealthiest and largest nation in the known world. Because he saw himself not as one being thrown into a pit, but he saw himself as one who was sown into a pit. And he didn't sit in that pit and mark on the walls. This is my second day. This is my third day. This is year two. This is year five. Even when he got out of prison and went back to prison, he didn't sit in that prison. This is my 14th year. This is my 15th year. He continued to do what Joseph did. Honored God. demonstrated. He was running the prison that he was in. Now let's talk about you. So if this is Joseph, this little 17-year-old buck, his brothers take this kid, put him in a pit. Most 17-year-olds in our generation would cry and look for mama. Most 40-year-olds would cry and look for mama. But here's a 17-year-old kid that comes out, and let me tell you, do you know how we know he responded right? It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. We know that Joseph responded well and correctly because when he came out of there, he would not have found favor with those in charge if he had not worked harder than everybody else. If he had not given 110% in every task assigned to him. If he had gone in there and said, I'm going to die anyway, I'm just going to do 20% of the work, I'm going to show up late every morning, they'd have killed him. He was just a number. But he went in there and he gave it his all because he believed the day was made for him. He believed. The day was made for him. Now you, same question. When sown into a pit, do you see it as a dead end or do you see it as an opportunity? Some of you right now, under the sound of my voice, you got up this morning and you feel like, you felt like, I'm in a hole. You talk to your husband, you talk to your wife, you talk to your friend, you talk to your mama, your daddy. You feel like, I don't know where I'm going from here. What's next? I don't know if I'm ready for what's coming in the future. When we begin to sell ourselves out, before we accept that God has made a day for us, I want you to consider this morning that that place you're in and you're asking these questions, I want you to ask them right. Don't ask the wrong questions, ask the right questions. I've been sown into this. He made this moment for me. What do I need to learn from this? 
No matter what it feels like, I'm going to grow from this. I'm, something's coming out of this moment. I'm not wearing my robe anymore. I don't feel royal anymore. I don't feel important anymore. I don't feel like a winner anymore. I don't feel like everything's working out well anymore. I'm in the middle of this hole. What do I do now? Why have I been thrown into this thing? I ask you today. I implore you today. Ask yourself. Do you believe you were thrown into this place or do you believe that you were sown into it? And I'm going to tell you the answer to that, no matter what your answer is. If you're still breathing, and if you can hear me, I'm pretty certain you're breathing. If you're still breathing this morning, you weren't thrown into anything. You've been sown there. You are there on purpose. And here's the thing. See if this will mess some of us up. Our first response when we're thrown into a difficult situation like this is we immediately begin to stick our fingernails in the wall and try to climb out of the pit. Let me challenge you to do something. Sit down in it. And let the pit that was sent to you complete its work. Joseph never went to another pit because he lived out the first one right. He learned from the first one that was sent to him everything he needed to know so that another pit would never be necessary. Are you hearing me today? Genesis 45, verses 4 through 8. Go there with me, please. Genesis 45. Begin with verse 4. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. This is after the famine, the feast, the plenty, the famine. They're hungry. And I'm going to tell you before I read this, if not for Joseph, there would be no Egypt today. It'd be just like the Mayas, the Incas. It'd be something that spoken of from a historical perspective. The only evidence that any of them existed would be a rock here or a dilapidated pyramid there. And I'll show you why I know that. Genesis 45 verses 4 through 8 said, So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now, listen to this, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life, to preserve Egypt, to preserve His people, to preserve Israel. God sent me here. It isn't your fault that I was thrown at You didn't dig the pit. God sent the pit. The pit was necessary to save the nation because God's promise to Abraham was that the, your descendants would be as the stars of the sky. He said, I'm your brother, Joseph, 
Can you imagine the look on their face? We know as you read more of this story, you realize that they were overwhelmed. Even Joseph was overwhelmed at the sight of his brothers. Had to leave the room, dismissed everybody so he could even tell them, I'm your brother. Sobbing, they could hear him outside of the room. I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves. Isn't it interesting? He doesn't say, I'm mad at you. I'm Joseph, your brother, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm about to give you what you gave me. You gave me a pit. I'm going to give you something worse. Wouldn't that be our, kind of our response? Half the people in here are reluctant to say yes, but you know, everybody has a little bit of give me some vengeance in us. Let's just get real. But not Joseph. Because from the beginning, Joseph understood this day was sent to me. You're not throwing me into anything. You think you control my destiny? No, you don't control my destiny. This day was prepared just for me. In this day, my destiny is going to rise up and change the world. Do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me here before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in, this, in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant. If He had not sent me here, there would be no remnant. To preserve a remnant on the earth and to keep alive for you many survivors without me no one survives brothers you think that that pit is something I despise I'm breathing because you put me there and you only put me there because the hand of God nudged you what brother would ever put his brother in a pit. But God. Boys. I need you to be a little jealous today. Because I've created this day. For your brother. I'll get you all back together and reconciled in time. Right now it's going to be a little awkward. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. You did nothing to me. You didn't dig the pit, and you didn't make the day. You weren't born because you said to God one day, I want to be on the earth at this time. You were here at the right time to get me in the right place for the day created for me. So in the same way, if not for Joseph, would there be in Egypt, would there be in Israel? No. Oh, I'm sure there'd still be mankind and, and there would have been a way. I don't know how the Father would have done it, but somehow Christ was coming into the earth. But as I think it was A.J. that said this morning, there's no contingency plan because God knew what Joseph's response was going to be. I think the question isn't what Joseph's response is going to be. I think the question is today, what's ours? And where do you find yourself this morning? And how are you responding in that place you might call a pit? 
Are you blaming the day? Are you blaming someone for the place that you're in because there's, it just doesn't seem to be working out well for you? Well, maybe it's not working out well because that was, that's what was sent to you right now. Be faithful in that place. And what comes out of that is going to look very different than what's in it. And I would ask you this. I think sometimes we learn the most out of our circumstances. And when we were in intercession on Wednesday morning and I was walking around on the platform up here and I was praying and, and interceding with everyone else that was here and I was listening to Jenny uh, speak some things and I don't recall exactly what she spoke and then Tamara began to speak and declare some things and I don't recall exactly what she spoke. But out of that, that same spirit provoked me and caused me to begin to reflect on us coming here. I was already dwelling on the fact that the day was made for us. I was already dwelling on the fact that we're not thrown into a pit, we're sown into a pit, and no matter where we're at, if we can understand and interpret that correctly, God can do amazing things with that. But if I see myself as the victim instead of the seed, I'm not giving him anything to work with. Because all I'm going to do is, is do the woe is me thing all day long or all week long or all month long or maybe years long, but I'm going to do the woe is me thing. And the Father's saying, I need you to become a seed so that I can get the fruit. Fruit doesn't come out of complaining. Fruit comes out of seed. So I'm up here and I begin to reflect on this thing. And when my wife and I were sent here, and those who came with us were sent here to Central Florida from Panama City, this didn't look like... It looked like a pit. Because there are a lot of things here that I knew was in me that would be difficult to be accepted. And yet this is where the Father said, I prepared that place for you. I didn't know what all the things would be that would be present that we would have to interpret like Joseph did. But I remember as I began to reflect and I was interceding on a Wednesday morning and no one else I don't think said this. They may have. I don't know. But in my intercession, I was praying for these, this. I asked the Father. I said, will you help me give clarity to this racial divide? And in the middle of that, saying that, he enlightened my mind and I literally saw Sanford, that pit of racial divide. Steve, you weren't thrown into this. I sowed you here because you are a voice. And I remember, and I remember when we, and I'll say stuff, I'll say strong things sometimes that can appear to be racial to people. And people take it different ways. It's never meant that way. In the same way, Joseph risked his life to say to Pharaoh, let me tell you, let me interpret your dream. <laughs> Man, listen, you might not like me after I tell you this. But I, think, I know you're Pharaoh, and I know you Pharaohs think you're God. But famine's coming and, and Ra's not going to take care of you. 
And when we started the Rock of Central Florida, and we hadn't been a church for very long, a ministry for very long, and we were over on 1792 in that storefront. In the beginning, there's only white people coming. And I didn't like that. Then it didn't take long and somebody Hispanic came in the back door. It was exciting to me. Yeah. Spanish people. And where's, is Marsha here today? Then a Korean. Marsha comes in the back door. A Korean. Leave the kimchi at home, but yeah. <laughs> and then some black folks started coming in. Black people coming in. Yes! And everything in me is excited. And then we more and more became more racially diverse as time went on. Diverse. 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 Leave the tea off. Just, just walk with me. Interpret how you will. Just interpret correctly. And they started coming in. And when, and word began to get out in Sanford. And here's the funny thing. It wasn't word that Hispanics are going to the rock. Nobody was bothered by the fact that we had Hispanics coming here. Nobody was bothered by the fact that we had a Korean Two, actually, coming at the time. Nobody was bothered by the fact that we had a German family that was in our house. But man, when they found out that we had two black, uh, more than that, we had like four black families in our house. When Sanford found out about that, when the officials found out, suddenly, what's going on over there? So the newspaper calls me, Sanford Herald. You remember this? The newspaper calls me and said, Mr. Parker, or Pastor Steve, they called me then, said, Pastor Steve said, this is whoever, and listen, we understand that you're a white church and you have black people coming to your church. Can we come and interview you? I said, first of all, we're not a white church. I might be a white guy, and I'm not even completely that. I have freckles, and I'm like, I have a lot of stuff going on. But I said, yeah, you can, you can come, because I was curious. And they came, and he sat down in my office, and we're sitting there, and he's asking me all these questions, and everything had to do with, how does a white guy get black people? Like, like I baited them. Like I baited black people. True, Tamara. Yeah, I've told you. You've, you know this story. But he treated it like I baited black people. What'd you put out there? Fried chicken? That's not a racial thing. Don't even go there. It's ridiculous. How are you getting them to come? And I told him, I said, well, I don't understand your question. And he says, you, there is no church in Sanford. Nobody. There is not a single mixed racial church in Sanford. 
except you. How are you getting black people? And he was assertive. And I said, I'm going to tell you, I don't, what I do is I preach the gospel. And it doesn't matter whether they're yellow, white, black, pink, or purple. Anybody who has an ear to hear and an eye to see, they're going to receive this gospel. But you are a white preacher. What are you doing? I said, I am not doing anything and was emphatic. And I don't remember. We've got the article somewhere. I think it's in the office. I, I, need to, I wish I'd have gotten that out and found it. And they wrote in there about meeting with the white pastor from The Rock who has a racially diverse church. And it bothered me. It doesn't bother me today. Because I've never seen it like they see it. And neither does God see it like man sees it. So Sunday morning, I'm, I mean Wednesday morning, I'm thinking about all of this. And I'm thinking about the diversity of our house. And it's not diverse enough for me yet. I'm not happy until somebody comes in here and says, What church are you? And they can't say you're a white church, a black church, a Hispanic church. Because they're like, we don't know what you have the most of. We're going to say, well, we're a son church. We have many sons. Many sons. But we, that day, Tamara, was prepared for us. And then since that day, many times people have tried to bring division in this house because of race. I had one lady one time. I loved her then. I still love I don't know. I don't even know if she's still living today, but at the time... She was an elderly black lady. And February is Black History Month. And she came to me, and there's a reason I'm telling you all this. And she came to me and she said, I think it's very important that we at The Rock celebrate Black History Month and you allow someone black in the congregation to stand up and speak every single Sunday. And I said, I'm offended by your request. That's never going to happen. I'm not letting somebody black speak because they're black. And I'm not going to let anybody stand up and bring attention to something that we're trying to overcome. And just keep reminding us over and over and over again. Making us think there's no way out of this thing. I've got news for you today. This day that we're in, listen to what I am saying, white, yellow, black, purple, and pink, whatever color you are online, if you're hearing this message, love it, hate it, is irrelevant to me. It is the Word of God. And I'm telling you today, listen to me. This day that we are in with all the racial divide was sent to you and me because we are capable of functioning in it as a seed, not as a victim. We're not victims. We've been seeded into this day. So when it's going on around us, our thing is, if you're white, and I'm talking about white and black, but isn't it ironic that it's always about white and black? 
It's never about white and Hispanic or black and Hispanic or Korean and German. It's never about that. Just hear me out. Be patient with me. Because my words may not come out right, but hear the spirit of what I'm saying. You might be white and find yourself in a precarious situation. And there's black people all around you. And you feel threatened. Ask yourself, is this the pit that was sent to me? And I'm seed in it. What am I going to do with it? If you're black and you find yourself and you're surrounded by white people and you look at them and you feel threatened, you've got to ask yourself, was I thrown into this moment? Or did he sow me into this moment? This moment was created for me. What am I going to do with it? Am I going to scratch the walls and try to dig my way out and fuss at everybody that's surrounding me right now? Or am I going to try to change the situation? I'm talking to everybody that's white and everybody that's black and everybody that falls in between there that no one ever talks about. The current situation in our nation, around the world, not just in our nation. I said to somebody, let me back back. I said to somebody the other day, I said, if the Arabs and the Israelites are still fighting, what makes us think that we're ever going to, in the natural, get rid of racism? It was in the beginning and it will be in the end. But not in the kingdom. But we can't perpetuate that thing. And we're going to ask ourselves, was I thrown into this moment or was I sown into this moment? I'm going to tell you what we were. We were sown into this moment. You are alive today because God believes you are capable of handling it well. He believes that you can live in Potter's house and not sleep with his wife. Did you hear me? I just tried to make it a little bit plain right there. He believes that you can come in to a place that He prepared for you and keep yourself holy. And not engage in what the Antichrist engages in. And I'm going to tell you every riot, every protest that they're calling out there, all of it has Antichrist all over it. I don't care what name they put on it. Black Lives Matter, pr- Proud Boys, I don't even know what all of them are. The white supremacists, the, the Black Panthers, the whatever they all are. I don't even know what they all are. Every one of them is the Antichrist spirit. Every single one of them has within it the spirit. Of the, it's division. Anywhere that there is division, God does not dwell there. So I'm going back to my original question. If you're in a pit today, were you thrown there? Or were you sown there? How do you interpret your day? Because the day didn't come to you because you asked for it. The day you're in is all around you because He sent it to you. Let fruit come from that seed. Let fruit come from that seed. Can somebody say amen? amen? Stand with me if you would, please. I do not in any way sense in my spirit a single person. If I'm wrong, then I am. 
But I do not sense in any way in my spirit that there is any division in a single person standing in this room right now. I do not sense any division between anybody. Oh, you look around this room. People, we don't conjugate. You're not going to find all the white people in a section, the black people in a section, the Hispanic people in a section. If that ever happens, let's not do that. Let's break it up. Let's turn this thing into an Oreo, man. Let's get this thing looking right. Let's put some, mix this thing up. Because we've been sown into this. I said to the team this morning, I said, one of the conflicts that I have, and I was talking to the Father about it this morning, I said, one of the conflicts that I have is that he often, he'll give me truths and things that I just want to say exactly how I hear it. But I know if I say it exactly how I hear it, it won't be heard by others the way I heard it. (laughs) It will be heard through whatever filters that have been developed in their mind over the years. So the conflict with being a minister, at least a minister in the way that he's called me is that I know that he's called me not to preach a simple gospel that is the same thing every week but to grow us and in order to grow us the things that he gives to me sometimes are difficult to talk about without disrupting tradition in many minds so the conflict is father and I'll use the analogy I used with the team this morning and I said I I just said I just want to be able to preach the gospel in the depth of the gospel the true meaning of what it is that the first and the second testament is trying to teach us and the word of the Lord in in the now what is he trying to teach us I want to be able to release that in such a way that that same carrot that a horse can swallow in one bite if I try to get a rabbit to swallow it in one bite it'll choke him and kill him I want to find that balance sometimes that's the conflict and when I bring a message like I'm bringing today my hope is that I've given you a carrot that you can chew on and you can draw truth and revelation from Not in a way that will choke you, but in a way that will provide sustenance for you. Help you to grow. Help you to mature. Help you to see things just a little bit differently. Carrots do make our eyes better. So they say. (laughs) Myth or not, let's accept it. After today, you can deny it. But how can you and I in the Situation, whatever situation you're in, not just racially, that's all around us. Just don't let it get in you. It's all around us. But how can you and I, no matter where you're at today, however deep you think your pit might be, I encourage you this morning, change your perspective. See yourself as one who has been sown, not one who has been captured and thrown. you're there, 
it's likely that that day was sent to you and there's nothing you could have done to change it. Because that is how the Father's going to bring your best and His best out of you, the seed. Do you hear me today? Father, I lift up my voice over these men and women today. Come on, lift your hands in here. I lift my voice. My prayer, my hope, my desire is that they heard what you put in me today with a good and honest heart. That when we walk out of this building today and we go about our business and we go and we eat and we gather around tables and we see our friends and our family and we go to work this week, wherever we find ourselves, that we begin to change, allow Holy Spirit to change the way that we think about things, the way that we see where we are. We stop looking at our current conditions as woe is me and we start looking at them as wow is me. I get to walk this out. Father, today, let your word be fulfilled and truth be illuminated in the heart and soul of every man and woman in this place. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, put your hands together. Thank you.